Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. If we can champion and continue to build confidence in the youth and future thought leaders, you know, it will make our industry that much more healthy. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. On today's show, we chat with celebrity chef and environmental advocate, Naisha Arrington, whose efforts to achieve sustainability in her personal and professional life have garnered her national attention. Chef Arrington's unconditional respect for quality of life and the people in it has led her to break every rule in the book. Her unconventional path within hospitality has taken her from top chef to a brick and mortar in Santa Monica and all the way to private dinners in Belize. She sets the rules and follows her truth every single day. Today we discuss what motivates, inspires, and excites the chef about today and the future. The word that comes to mind whenever I think of you is sustainability in a variety of ways, right? It's not just about food sourcing or how you choose to cook as a responsible chef. Your life and the model that you've created for your life is a sustainable one and it's an unconventional one. I totally agree with you. Uh, I value life. You know, I, I truly value life and I value time and I want to spend my lifetime while I'm in this body, you know, on this planet, in this form, um, in a way that is fulfilling. And I believe that that uh, requires nurturing, you know, and that's definitely synonymous with sustainability. And um, yeah, just, you know, sort of how my mind works is it always really has to make sense. Things have to have, you know, a, a, a value to them and a nucleus of meaning and thought behind them. Well, and looking through the lens of the pandemic, the pandemic has been nothing but a series of holy shit moments for me. Um, has, has that been the case for you or has it been more life affirming? Do you feel better about the choices you're making? Have you made different choices? Well, that's an amazing question. I mean, honestly, Josh, I've had uh, a good amount of time uh, to reflect. You know, it has been, you know, difficult from a business standpoint, for sure. I mean, I try to keep a three-month calendar or so. I mean, like you mentioned, being an unconventional sort of chef, if you will, I, you know, a lot of how I monetize business is through personal interaction. So, you know, whether that's a networking event or going overseas and doing a pop-up and things like that, you know, that's definitely been sort of stripped away from me and I don't have the opportunities to have those one-on-one um, connections with people. So it has forced me really to slow down and um, and sort of go in, you know, and really look at my life path thus far. You know, um, when I set out on my culinary career professionally, uh, I graduated culinary school in 2002. And, um, you know, I've been cooking ever since. And my head and my nose has just been down at the cutting board and perfecting my skill and honing my craft and, and consciously aligning myself with different chefs, different areas and opportunity of business. And that has been a nonstop journey for me. Like, 
literally nonstop. And that's taken me all over the world. And I do not regret one moment of it. But during this pandemic time, it's been very, very valuable insight to almost rewind and really have time to absorb everything that I've accomplished even, you know, and, and triumphs and, and, and areas of opportunity, you know, for me to really look back consciously and have a, a bandwidth of mindset without, you know, invoices and um, insurance conversations, you know, flowing through my mind, you know, so it's been nice to kind of, um, you know, be more conscious in my uh, goals of fitness and be in food choices and almost not sort of be burning at both ends of the sort of stick, you know, so that's been um, a sort of pro. Um, and the cons I'd say would definitely have been, you know, not to be able to cook for people. I've been cooking a lot more for like my neighbors and the people around me. So because when I cook, I just, I, it's innate in me. I'm, I, I have a nurturing soul. So I love to, uh, to cook for, I live in a four unit building. So uh, my next door neighbor is actually a baker. So we have a garden that we both started and that's been our project through this whole pandemic COVID time is we've really nurtured this amazing um, garden and we compost and it's a really awesome sort of sustainable way to live and see full circle you know throw away your food trim and have the worms eat it that makes really nutritious soil and then get lettuce and you know it takes weeks to grow so it's really quick turnaround you know so um yeah it, it's been a, a very introspective time for me how are you going to maintain the momentum? This is the question I ask myself, right? Like my work-life balance is perfect right now because I'm not working. I, I'm trying to figure out for myself, what am I going to do when things begin to crank up again? Yeah. Do you have a strategy for yourself? Um, you know, it's something that is 100% on the forefront of my mind as I feel like, uh, what's it been like 10 weeks or so, something yeah. like that. Um, a year, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what day is it? How many uh, sleeps has it been? I yeah, don't know. totally, totally. <laughs> um, no, but you know, I these conversations and having the opportunity to do podcasts like this and talk with amazing industry thought leaders like yourself, you know, oh, have stop it. have been, um, you know, coming around a lot more recently, you know, and it's been fun to sort of. I feel like we're slowly starting to ignite again, like very, very slowly. The needle's sort of starting to move and, um, we're, you know, we're starting to get a little bit rerouted and have these, uh, you know, you see a lot more restaurants starting to open up. And, um, you know, it's funny, I was talking to my neighbor yesterday, actually, and she's like, I, she's a baker, I mentioned, she's like, oh, I had my first, you know, 14-hour day yesterday. And like, it's, she's like, I don't know, like, how I'm going to go back to it. And now having, you know, the you know, the time to be with her kids and, um, you know, and nurture this garden that we have, uh, you know, it's, um, something that's definitely been on my mind for me. I honestly, Josh, the fitness part of it really helps me, um, mentally. I started working out a bunch last year and before that, you know, I'd been on a lot of team sports and like, I thought I was fit, but when I really started working out like four or five times a week, you know, and waking up at six in the morning and going and do that before my routine, it really helped me build my stamina to be able to perform throughout the day. Um, I think when, you know, all sort of goes back to normal, um, quote unquote, I think that, you know, it, it's been sort of this bubble effect. And I think that the industry will, um, 
definitely change, you know, as all sort of epidemics or pandemics in life change in the course of history. You know, I think it's a good question. I think that uh, a very innate uh, sort of part of the hospitality industry, it takes humans to make it work. So it's, it's kind of difficult to not, you know, we have to be very passionate people to be a part of this industry. It's not like you can really half step it and be okay. It's, it's the passion that drives us more than anything. So um, I think there'll always be a, a bit of that because I think uh, hospitality folks are just kind of wired a little bit different, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think we're kind of um, this different breed of people. Like I think we're part, um, like, you know, I think we're on par with like brain surgeons, you know, we're just, we're very analytical. We're, we're very cerebral people. You know, we deal with very um, quick, you know, thinking and, and everything matters. Every single second matters, every, uh, everything matters. So um, I think there'll always be a part of that in our industry. But I think um, as an, as a whole, we are definitely trying to sort of heal. I think um, for a long time, you know, the calling card was, you know, you have these four walls, you get a great write-up in the New York Times or the LA Times. We all want to be sustainable. We want to be around for the next generation. We want to be around to see our families grow and we, you know, and not be ran into the ground. So I think, um, you know, when I've listened, talked to a lot of my chef friends and uh, industry leaders, that's definitely a topic of conversation and mental health and how do we maintain this. I was talking to, I FaceTime with my buddy from um, David Wilcox from Hail Mary Pizza last night. And we were just talking about this, you know, and he's like, you know, Naisha, it's, um, and you know, his business is up 30% because he does a lot of to go and um, not a lot of in-room dining sort of smaller. And he had the restaurant Journeyman when I had Leona. And I always, uh, I always really like, you know, we weren't in competition, but I always admired you know, from afar, I didn't get to patron that restaurant, um, but I, it was just that restaurant. We started getting the same accolades and Jonathan Gold wrote some amazing stuff about our restaurants. I always just loved his energy. He's just super rooted, grounded human. But we were talking about this yesterday and, and um, you know, we, we and other friends of mine, that is the topic of conversation. How do we remain sustainable in ourselves and in business? And, um, you know, I think there'll be some some huge strides coming up, and I think it's going to take a lot of um, a lot of of minds working together. You know, that's why I'm afraid for us to reopen now. You know, yeah. like everyone's like, let's get it open. I'm like, we haven't figured it out yet, guys, because it's. I flash back to this was literally three months ago, so just before the pandemic, the manager at Pro and Proper quit, and he goes, but he's like a young guy, really smart. I felt like I had really hired up. I felt like he was doing a great job. He did too. People loved him. And he turns to me and he goes, so I'm going to put in my notice. And I was like, why? And he goes, because I figured out that I could make more money doing less work, doing just about anything else. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, you didn't, you didn't know that before you started. And I was, you know, I was so taken aback by it and a little offended because it's such a sense of pride that we work so hard and we make such a small amount of money and all of this. And then, you know, flash forward three, four weeks into the pandemic, I'm like, maybe that kid had the right idea. Like, why does it have to be so hard? Why do we have to work six days a week every week? Why is my entire professional career, 40 years old, dependent upon a single dishwasher showing up on a Friday night? 
And if he doesn't show up, my <laughs> whole life is obliterated. And I, there are so many difficulties within the industry, whether we're talking about healthcare, um, the misallocation of gratuity in an unfair way, in my opinion. 100%. All, all of these different things. And I'm just not prepared to go back to work until I can say, it's going to be a whole house pool and everyone's going to share. And it's going to be a flat rate of 20%. And if you don't want to work here, you don't have to. There are a sea of people looking for work at the moment. And all of these different things. But I don't have the stones to start that conversation, you know, in my actual business. So I started a podcast. Yes. And, and my, my question for you is, like, specifically, what needs to change first as an industry? You know, I think that it starts bigger than the restaurants. I think that when you look at sort of the industrial revolution and you see, you know, goods of services being sold uh, and there's a monetary exchange behind service, right? There's, you know, a flat, fl flash forward now, there's gratuity attack, right? So that's one thought bubble from back of the house, front of the house standpoint. It is extremely arduous to get food on the plate from, you know, 6 a.m. when the prep guys show up or whatever, 8 a.m. and them receiving the food, you know, the hoping that the drivers have pulled the right product and, you know, like you said, the dishwashers show up and, you know, service goes, your guest shows up and they're all happy, you know, and they're not complaining about prices. But when you look at when food was starting to be exchanged for monetary value, you know, commodities have only gone up. Labor has only gone up. Everything that it takes for us to open our doors every single day is solely on the owners, the chef owners, the operators, the controllers. These are the guys who are looking at the numbers. And, you know, we were already operating on such small margins. And a quick, you know, sort of relief would be to raise menu prices. But, you know, is the world ready for that? You know? Is the world ready for that? I mean, an average nice restaurant is going to be, you know, what, $65 check average? So, you know, maybe. And so, you know, if we're asking our guests to double that, it's a sliding scale, you know? So now if the people are paying, you know, $1,000 a head at French Laundry, what does that go to? $2,000? Like, right. you know what I mean? So do I have the answer? I mean, all we can look at is the numbers. I mean, the numbers are the things that don't lie to us, right? Like that's inevitably going to change everything because when labor started going up, you know, over the course of the last eight years, you know, in 2006 in a two-star Michelin restaurant, and now these dishwashers are making, you know, 15 bucks an hour, 16 bucks an hour. Line cooks are coming in asking for $22 an hour, good ones, right. you know, and it's like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And yeah. And you know, you're trying to keep, your labor and your food costs all in line and the, the entire nut and the percentage allocation is, is, is not correct. It, it, it's not a recipe. So, so to speak that equates success, every single way you look at it currently, the burden definitely outweighs the reward. So to answer the question, you know, what is the answer? You know, the immediate answer is 
money. I mean, I can't, I can't think of another way than just having to raise our prices and bring in more revenue. I mean, we can all diversify our businesses technically, but you know, what does that require? More space, right? More bringing in more prep cooks, say we're going out and doing outside catering events and you're doubling, you know, your annual revenue that takes more bodies that takes more labor than what are these guys going into overtime? You know, that, making more salaries that you have to be responsible for, then you're going to different brackets of healthcare, insurance, all these things. You know, you have less than 20 employees, more than 50, you know, there's so many factors and facets. And, you know, I mean, I think honestly, that's why you see a lot of these goats kitchens starting to pop up because people are like, oh, I can do this without the overhead. But then it's like, well, why are we in the service and hospitality industry in the first place? I think there's sort of these different uh, parallel lines of conversation, and I think they're all different thought bubbles, but it's hard because you, you want to have a busy, bustling restaurant where the guest has perceived value, and they walk away and say, wow, that was amazing, and they're going out on a Tuesday, on a Monday night, on a Wednesday night, not just for celebratory events, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it's something that I think about constantly, constantly, man. And I've been hesitant to start my invention, which is why I've done the private party route, which is why I've done sort of content creation and television shows. It's not that I don't love hospitality. I'm, I'm rooted in that and I love it. Um, but I, I'm hesitant because I want to maintain my life work balance and I want a business that's going to be around in 10 years. That's fruitful. You know, I want to water my soil and grow trees of fruit for not just for me, but for my team as well. And I think, you know, I've seen different models, you know, like instead of having sort of line cooks, maybe you have like a team of, you know, five sous chefs and everyone's sort of working on the same, there's not a hierarchy. And I think, you know, I've seen, you know, back of the house sort of blurred lines where they're part of the service team where they're delivering dishes and it's more of like a kitchen uh, runner expo being a cook or, you know, they're finishing plates along with the chef and, you know, there's different ways to sort of look at, look at the entire nut and try to move around the percentages of, um, monetary allocation. But yeah, you know, I, th- I can't, I, I cannot say that the sort of ghost, there's not, uh, attributes of the ghost kitchens that, that makes sense to me, but I don't love that there's not a hospitality aspect to it. Right. Um, you know, uh, it's just, it, it's really just about the overhead that, that's, that's so difficult. I mean, there's been nights, Josh, that I've been washing dishes, you know, because the reality is when I look at my team and I know we're going to a Friday night service and there's 250 on the books, you know, and I'm looking at my lead line cook and he's wiping his station down and sharpening his knives. Do I, how good would I feel to say, Hey, you're going to get off your station, and go wash dishes. No, right. I'm going to wash dishes. You're going to rock service and come here to do what you want to do, which is garner a set of a set of skills mm-hmm. right so you know and i'm doing it with a smile but in my mind i'm thinking i think there's probably a better way to spend my time you know oh, absolutely. <laughs> on a saturday night i've been screaming from the scullery in a three-piece suit with yeah. a apron on yeah if you guys keep working hard maybe one day <laughs> you can end up in the position i am <laughs> Maybe, maybe one day. 
after a hard-earned shift, you'll be able to eat a cold plate of food you ordered four <laughs> hours ago. Exactly, exactly. You know, and then you see, it's just, it's crazy, man. You see restaurants, you know, best restaurant in the world, Noma, like selling burgers now, you know, and it's like, I'm not, I, I, good on them. You know, it's, it's a business and there's cooks that still have a job and they're making people happy. And they said they sold, I watched his live this morning and um, they said they sold over 12, like 1200 burgers yesterday. But it's just interesting when you look at it, you know, it, it's like, what is, what is our industry, you know? And um, it's a, it's a multifaceted thing, you know? I spent most of my life in it and I spent most of my life out of the mix you know i've always looked at people like you and like sammy and had so much love and respect for you guys going to industry mixers and things like that but i never had the heart to do it because whenever i would go uh, you know it was always after a hard day after a hard week after a hard month and i'd turn to people and be like hey how's business they'd be like man it's the best month we've ever had and i'm like "Fuck this place like right? nobody was honest right because we're all swimming in the same toilet yeah, and, and then you was, see those same places close like two months right. later, you know? Some of the best restaurants in this city have already announced that they're not going to reopen, you know? And it's, I have to believe it has to do with two things. One is the juice worth the squeeze. Mm. And two, you know, is there a way to conceptualize a fresh start? Mm. Because Lord knows there's going to be no shortage of commercial real estate in the next six months. Would you, think right. about, would you think about jumping back into the ring? You know, I would. And I have a good amount of people behind me uh, from an operational standpoint who would stand next to me and, and I know we'd make it work. And I have a really great um, idea. Of, and I feel, you know, Josh, I, I feel like my journey in this industry has, has been um, a thoughtful one, for sure. I've aligned myself with different people for, to garner a new set of tools, you know, as I, um, kind of say that I like curate my life tool belt. Um, you know, I, I, I take on mentors, um, for different reasons in business and health and in, in culinary field. Um, but, uh, there's some amazing talented young people out there who deserve an opportunity to shine and grow themselves, you know, and, they're constantly like, chef, when are you going to open? When are you going to open? But, you know, I honestly, Josh, feel like I finally feel like, you know, I've had two restaurants, both of which I've closed. And, uh, you know, they've been rooted in sustainability. They've been rooted in farmer's markets. They've been rooted in celebrating the craftsmen and the, and the people who uh, put their passion into their products, whether that's, you know, an artisan making an amazing cheese or someone growing the most beautiful ramp. Um you know, and I really just get to add my layer of what my life experience has been, what's in my soul and put that on a plate for a guest. Um, but what I will say is, you know, I've been in fine dining most of my career. Um, and I, you know, it's like 75% of my career, three star, two star, one star Michelin. And I've been all over the world and my ethos in cooking is rooted in nurturing, but, um, you know, I think there's always been this like question that I've asked myself of like, what is my North Star? Like, what is, what is, who is Naisha? You know, because it's interesting, you know, coming from a biracial background, coming from the terroir of Los Angeles, that is very um, multifaceted. And, you know, gone, having gone through so much, you know, from 
in being in those kitchens, you know, as a young woman, it was very difficult, you know, it was very difficult. And, you know, I've been asking myself, how has that fragmented me? Um, and how do I show up in the world today? And there's been different layers and stages of that, you know? And so I now more than ever through self-discovery, through doing the work, feel like stronger than ever, number one, um, you know, because you're doing all the things, right? You're like, doing the recipes, you know, and food and wine magazine, you're like, whatever, running a team, you're like doing the offsite events, you're doing, the, working for the nonprofits and, and you show face and you go to the mixers and networking events and it's all good, right? You just push and push and push because you're passionate and you feel like whatever, you're working towards a goal of whatever that payoff is. I think what dictates success for individuals is different for everyone. Um, and for me, this last year has been really just about, um, having a, a strong core. But I feel like now, yeah, I mean, I have a very great idea of what I want my food to look like. I, I, I value the city. It's given me a lot and I, and I want to give back to it, you know? Now let's talk about reopening. I, uh, I, I've got a wife. I've got a two-year-old child. I've got uh, two parents with pre-existing conditions. I remember the last time we all went out to eat together but I don't know what it's going to look like when we go back to eat, you know? So totally different thing for my restaurant, right? Like I can work out like the operational and the organizational. Um, but I vividly remember the week that we closed the restaurant Monday, big day, Tuesday, big day, Wednesday, it was a little creepy and a little slower than normal Thursday crickets. And there was tension Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were nightmarish. Somebody oh. would sneeze. I mean, you know, it's a 6,000 square foot restaurant. Somebody yeah. would sneeze on one side of the room and everybody would look. Wow. It was tense. It was wow. anxious. And my people were scared and I was scared and the people that were dining there were scared. Um, and it was, it was a really uncomfortable feeling. Under what scenario would you go back and what do you think dining is going to look like once we begin to reopen? You know, that's something that I've asked myself a lot because I have some really amazing opportunities right now, really amazing. And I've vetted a lot of things before and during and after this whole Corona thing. And I have been putting a lot of thoughts on paper. It's interesting. I, I think that it's the entire model of business is going to have to change because people are talking about like single use menus, you know, menu paper already is like an ama like a astronomical cost, you know? And so like, or like a wipeable surfaces or plexiglass coverings to keep our guests and our service staff safe. iPads, like our servers walking up with gloves and masks, you know, our patrons getting their temperatures taken at the door, walking in with masks and then taking them off. Like, what does that look like? You know, these are the questions I've asked myself. I think like a lot of people in the industry, because more so than ever, Josh, like I thought I was you know, out and about and networking and talking to people like I've been talking to a lot of industry friends and, and on all levels, front of the house, back of the house, operator, like the common through line is that no one knows what the fuck. Right. <laughs> Everyone right. has the same, like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask, you know, turn to this person. I'm going to do a Zoom call or FaceTime with this person. And everyone is in the same boat that no one feels like they have the answers and everyone's grasping for information, I feel like. You know, we're just getting through this like PP 
loans and like, you know, all of these conversations of grants and, uh, you know, it's, it's been this like trickle down effect of of conversation. So, um, you know, I, I myself don't have the answers. I'm currently searching for them and seeing what that looks like. And if it, you know, what makes sense. Um, And I think it's going to be a long time, Josh. I think it's going to be a good year until everything sort of stabilizes again and or if it does and if there's not another on influx of coronavirus like right. i don't know there are so many questions right because even if we do get open and we do get open at 100 percent capacity if there's another flare-up then we could end up back at takeout and delivery and for the record we didn't do takeout and delivery because i didn't think i could keep myself and my team safe forgetting everyone else on the planet I just didn't think I was smart enough because like everyone was working on the fly, right? Yes. And, and like, I just didn't think I was wise enough and experienced enough to figure out like a grocery model or a delivery and take totally. model that would keep all of my people safe. I still can't tell you two and a half months into this, how you're going to run a line keeping your team six feet apart. Not possible. Somebody's going to lose a thumb. Not possible. You know, how do pre-shifts look? Mm. You know, there's so many, there's so many variables of how to look at it. And I think the reality is, I imagine to-go is going to be, to-go and takeout is going to be the main source of revenue for restaurants for a long time. And then this whole 25% capacity thing for a while, and then maybe 50 and then maybe 100. But I don't see the, I mean, you know, you have so many restaurants with large, like you're, place you, you know you and sammy you guys have the amazing building and i imagine you guys do a good amount of like events you know and like sure. and a lot right and a lot of restaurants that's their nut like it's like you know you can make what you make in one event that you might you know make in Man, two days we, of service we were barely making money at 100 percent capacity exactly no global pandemic yep and that's that's the real conversation right like this is what is exciting about this moment Yep. is everyone's able to just really candidly talk about where they are. When you think about the industry at large, do you feel good about the decision you made to not remain in a brick and mortar? Do you feel like it's giving you more pliability in this moment? And do you, do you feel the need to travel more, more pop-ups, more, more everything, more TV, more all of the things you do? You know, it's funny. These are questions. These are Josh. It's like literally walking through my mind, like on a day to day or an hour to hour basis. Like those are top of mind questions, um, day in and day out. I definitely have the itch to travel. I think that I will definitely do some more pop ups. No, but so many times. I mean, it was bittersweet to close the restaurant, of course, you know. But so many times, I cannot even say how much of a blessing it's been to not have to navigate business through this time i could not imagine having to you know host grocery store pop-ups or pivot and do to go and and it's just i'm not passionate about it you know in a selfish honest answer i'm not passionate about doing all of that you know and i get it like i'm not not to knock anyone else that is doing it because i understand it's a business you know but um, if I'm just looking at to do takeout and delivery and catering and these things or not, like, you know, I'd rather not. And I, I could not imagine having to navigate and operate a business 
like I could not imagine going to a restaurant, sitting, you know, in my office or having to do orders with no patrons, you know, it, 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 right. seemed, it sounds ominous almost, you know, I see so many people plating in dining rooms and it's completely changed the landscape completely of what it is that restaurants once stood for. Well, and you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, like you figure out how much you're willing to compromise, right? Like it's, I, I, I interview people that are doing the, the bodega style grocery store paired with this robust delivery and takeout business. And like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't, like, I'm not, like, I, I, I have no interest in going down that rabbit hole. What I want to do is what I open the restaurant to do, which is fine dining at the highest levels possible. And if I can't do that, then I don't want to do it. And maybe that makes me sound like a child. But, you know, in light of a global pandemic, I think we should live our truth, right? Yeah, 100%. I think it's okay, you know, and I think that's been a really valuable thing is for people to be a little bit more empathetic through these times. If I were to put myself, I'm not going to speak for the world, but to put myself in any sort of, you know, leadership model who's navigating these times, it has to be so exhausting mentally and physically to try to keep pivoting, you know, and try to stay up on current events and, you know, what's happening and where, you know, it, it, it has to be so difficult. And I, and I think it's on the other side of it, Josh, I think it has to be amazing for families to be able to spend time together. When else have we had time to, spend time in our homes like never you know right, right. <laughs> so that's been a blessing well and it's i figure out how much i've lost i have a two-year-old daughter i've spent more time with her in the last two months than i have in the last two years and she's not going to remember these days right she's good no matter what i'm the sucker i'm the loser i'm the one that lost out on all of those magical moments over the last almost two years and it totally realigned my perspective. Yeah. What do you what do you think about like moving forward? Like are you guys gonna do takeout or do the twenty-five percent capacity thing or I'm not sure? I'm gonna hold out until we can yeah. get our way. And yeah. if, if that Smart. means we lose the restaurant, then that means we lose the restaurant. But I yeah. I am more than willing to pivot tactics and strategies and all of these different things but what i'm not willing to do is change careers totally you know what i mean i know and, what you mean and, and you know i bet that we could make a lot of money doing delivery and takeout selling like shitty cisco food cisco is not a sponsor <laughs> but is cisco if you would like to be a sponsor i will remove that um <laughs> But you know, like there's like I know we could make money, right? Sammy, right. Sammy sure. has an amazing aesthetic. We amazing aesthetic. Amazing aesthetic. We could sell trash food for cheap money and make yeah. a fortune. God bless you, America. But <laughs> that's just not what I want to do. That's not why we got into this. So if we can't do what we want to do, then we'll go do something else. You know? Totally. Totally. It's just about being true to self at this point, for me at least. No, I hear you. And I, I just read recently that um, there's discussion around potentially opening dining rooms in the streets. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that's any, uh, you know, viable way to have these sort of open air dining rooms and if that sort of 
helps the safety of the guests and, and service staff. Um, Maybe you know. if we weren't two blocks off Skid Row. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Fair. You can have some eclectic guests. Oh, my God, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. The patio has been a struggle. Could you imagine if the restaurant was a patio? That'd be a blast. Well, it's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the industry. Yes. Is there anything you would like to say, ma'am? Yes, sir. I would like to say that it is important because, you know, I have never been one to play a card or, um, you know, really ask for help in any kind of way. I'm stubborn in that regard. I like to find my own answers. I like to pound the pavement. I like to find and build solutions with my team. But what I would have to say is um, it is important to be empathetic to um, to diverse groups of people and to champion women leadership because that was not always my case, right? And I just always just worked through it. And I see how I've had to do some personal reflection and work through work through some things, you know? And I think that if we can champion and continue to build confidence in the youth and uh and future thought leaders, um, you know, it will make our industry that much more healthy. That's Chef Naisha Arrington. Keep up with everything she has going on via Instagram using the handle at Naisha Joyce. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshcopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L dot com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.